It's the very first Sunday in April, and I'm beginning a brand new series called Be Victorious. Be Victorious, we did Be Healthy, we also did Be Rooted, and now we're moving in the month of April to Be Victorious, and uh, Be Victorious by Defeating Your Giants. And I'm going to look at today uh, the great passage of Scripture, the Scripture passage that is the sum of all passages that deal with defeating giants. And it's David and Goliath, found in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 26 to 50. What a wonderful story that God has placed in his word for us. What an encounter that David had with this giant that we call Goliath. And uh, that, that name, Goliath, just speaks of giant and David as this young man just defeating him with great faith in the Lord, with a sling and a stone, God giving him great Victoria, victory, and ends up chopping his head off. And uh, I'm going to believe God to chop some heads off this morning. Not your head, but the heads of these spiritual giants that tend to plague us and put us in fear and defeat us. I'm going to read uh, 1 Samuel 17, verses 26 to 50. It's kind of a lengthy passage of Scripture, but... You know, I just didn't know where to begin and where to end on this. And so I'm taking most of the story, not all of it, but most of the story. Verse 26, then David spoke to the men who stood by him saying, what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And the people answered him in this manner, saying, So shall it be done for the man who kills him. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard what he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, Why did you come down here? And with whom have you left these few sheep in the wilderness? I know your pride and the insolence or the arrogance of your heart, for you have come down to see the battle. And David said, what have I done now? I can just see David as a younger brother referring to the older brother as he just is uh, disrespecting and dishonoring him. What have I done now? Years of being the lowest one on the totem pole, David was. Is there not a cause, he says? Verse 30. Then he turned from him toward another and said the same thing. And these people answered him as the first first ones did. Now when the words which David spoke were heard, they reported them to Saul and he sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. I'll do it. And Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion or a bear came and took a lamb out of the flock, I went after it and struck it and delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose against me, I caught it by its beard, struck and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. Moreover, David said, the Lord has delivered me from the paw of the lion, from the paw of the bear. He will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go, and the Lord be with you. So Saul clothed David with his armor and put a bronze helmet on his head. He also clothed him with a coat of mail. David fastened his sword to his armor and tried to walk, for he had not tested them. And David said to Saul, I cannot walk with these, for I have not tested them. So David took them off. 
Then he took his staff in his hand. He chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's bag in a pouch which he had. And his sling was in his hand and he drew near to the Philistine. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. When the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, for he was only a youth, ruddy and good-looking. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. And the Philistine said to David, Come to me, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Then all this assembly shall know that I, the Lord, does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into our hands. So it was. Well, the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried, ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Then David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone, and he slung it and struck the Philistine in his forehead, so that the stone sank into his forehead, and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed, I love that, over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, And struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in the hand of David. I'm going to read verse 51. Then David ran and stood over the Philistine, took a sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. And when the Philistines saw that the champion was dead, they fled. May God bless his word to our hearts. What what a story. I can't do it justice by any means, but what a story. I've heard this preached uh, at times as, uh, as I got saved and was in church, I remember different preachers preaching on David and Goliath. I'm sure you've heard messages. I preached messages on it. But when I thought about being victorious, I felt like God wanted me to talk about defeating giants. Defeating, being victorious over our giants. It's interesting that there were no giants in the wilderness But there are plenty of giants in the promised land. And I've learned this, that if you're going to move forward, you're going to face giants. Am I right about that? You just will. There will be a giant to oppose you as you try to possess God's promises, as you try to move forward in God's purpose, as you try to take possession of that which God has given you. There will be giants in the land that will oppose you. And God put this story in the Bible so that we don't have to fear those big, bad giants. What are giants? They are insurmountable, insurmountable obstacles, a debt, sickness, rebellious children, a marriage in crisis. Giants can represent your greatest fears, such as the fear of death, the fear of man, the fear of failure, the fear of loneliness. Giants can also be representative of demonic powers. The Bible talks about a spirit of heaviness, a spirit of fear. We know that there are evil spirits in this world that attempt to uh, instill fear in our hearts and, and to bring about a sense of doom and gloom, and the devil's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. 
The truth about giants is this. Giants are large, bigger than us, but they also introduce us to ourselves. That's right. Your faith, your fears are revealed by giants. Your size is revealed by the size of your giants. When you face a giant, you are measured up in light of that giant. How big is your giant today? How many giants are you facing? How large is your faith? How, how much have you grown in the measure and stature of Christ? The children of Israel were measured by the giants that they saw, and they saw themselves as grasshoppers. Joshua and Caleb were measured by the same giants, and because they had great faith, they saw themselves as overcomers. So a giant reveals who you are, filled with fear and insecurities and doubts and inadequacies, anxieties, or are you filled with faith in Jesus Christ, who is the ultimate giant killer? You see, David is not only representative of us in this story, people that have to face that giant and kill him with the faith in God, but also David is representative of the great shepherd king, Jesus Christ, who took down the greatest giant, and he did it at the cross. And we're going to be celebrating that coming up in just a couple weeks, right? Good Friday and Easter Sunday, the celebration of Jesus Christ victorious over death, hell, and the grave. Now, those are three great giants that Jesus won victory over as our shepherd king. Well, how do you kill your giants? Listen, you're not to live with giants. You're supposed to kill the giants. Giants are in the land, but you're supposed to kill those giants. And I want you to face your giant today, or giants, maybe it's plural, whatever it is that seems too large, too big, bigger than you, instilling fear or uncertainty or doubt in your life or bringing you into bondage, holding you captive, you see, these armies of Israel, they were held captive by Goliath, captive with their fear, captive with their doubts, unable to move, only unable to possess the promised land because Goliath was there. Well, how do you kill your giants? Well, I'm going to start first by answering this question. What doesn't matter? What doesn't matter today? There are some things that do matter. We'll talk about that. But what doesn't matter today? Number one is it's the size of that giant. You might be thinking, well, that's the thing that matters the most, is the size of my giant. That's one of the things that matters the least. It doesn't matter how big that giant is, because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Am I right about that? You are larger and greater than him because Jesus Christ is on the inside of you. Giants are always bigger and stronger than us. Your giant is either, I like this, too big to kill or too big to miss, depending on your faith. Goliath, according to 1 Samuel 17, verses 4 to 6, was 10 feet tall, almost 10 feet tall. His coat of mail weighed 125 pounds. Let me ask you this question. What are you facing today that you would say is bigger than you? What are you facing today that is bigger than you. Giants, mountains, obstacles. These things really are metaphors for those things in our life that are bigger than us. Fears, lusts, debt, our relationships, sin that is in our life, 
the power of sin. Sometimes these things are seemingly greater than us, brought into bondage by these things. But what doesn't matter? It's the size of the giant. Why is that? Because no matter how big and strong and powerful it seems to be, and they can be big and can be strong and can, can be powerful. And you might be saying, all my lifetime, I've, I've lived in the shadow of this giant. It simply has dominated my life and I've been unable to fully move forward. Maybe that's your testimony, but I'm here to tell you, ultimately, in the sight of God, who is greater than all things, that giant size means absolutely nothing. Nothing. So what doesn't matter? Number one is the size of the giant. Number two, it's the words and opinions of people. In this passage of Scripture that I read, Eliab, David's eldest brother, he criticized David. In verse 28, he's talking to him. He says, why did you come down here? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You can catch his disrespect, his disdain for David as the shepherd boy, those few sheep. He says, I know your pride and the insolence or the arrogance of your heart. For you have come down to see the battle. Right there, Eliab is, is reading all the worst things into David. And people might do that. You might be being criticized. You might be being disrespected. You might be being misunderstood. People might think little of you. And that's what Eliab thought about David. That he thought little of him. It's interesting, Eliab was there when Samuel anointed him to be the next king, and yet he has such disdain for the anointed of the Lord. Saul also doubted David in verse 33. He says to David, you are not able. You can't do this. You don't have the abilities. And I know that many times we deal with our own insecurities, our own sense of inadequacy or insufficiency. And sometimes people can remind you that you're not the most gifted and you're not the most talented and you're not the most anointed. You don't have the plan. You don't have the wisdom. You don't have what it takes. And that's really what Saul is telling David right here. He says, you're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him for you are a youth and he a man of war from his youth. He's been trained. He is skilled. The words really from Saul's mouth to David's heart was this. You're not trained. You're not skilled. You're too young. You lack abilities. You don't have what it takes. You don't have the talents. You don't have the giftings. You don't have the smarts. God's hand is not able to work through you to be able to defeat your giant. And sometimes you just have to take those opinions and thoughts of people and you simply have to set them aside and say, what does the Lord say about this thing? What is God's thoughts towards me? What about Goliath and his words? If Eliab criticized David and Saul doubted David, well, Goliath mocked David. In verse 42, when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him. He disdained him. And Goliath is a type of the devil. And I want you to know that the devil disdains you. 
He doesn't see a, a man of power and strength or a woman of virtue and godliness. He doesn't see somebody when he looks at you as somebody to be reckoned with, but rather he disdains you. The Bible says when Lucifer was created by God Almighty that the sum of all wisdom was placed in him. And that fallen angel, Lucifer, became what we know as the devil or Satan. And I want you to know that he is stronger than you and wiser than you and he is greater than you. But if God is in you, he is none of those things. He's none of those things. Christ becomes your wisdom. Jesus becomes your righteousness. His spirit is on the inside of you and his power now is your power. He has granted you your, his authority. You exercise his authority and we have nothing to fear from the enemy. Somebody say amen to that. Nothing to fear. What doesn't matter? Well, the size of the giant doesn't matter. Why? Well, God's bigger and greater than him. The words or opinions of people doesn't matter. Why? Because whose report will you believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. What matters is what God says about us. What else doesn't matter? The support of others. Nobody went out to fight Goliath but David himself. It's interesting when David wins the battle, all of a sudden the soldiers are filled with courage. And courage begets courage, faith begets faith, victory begets victory. But he went out there all by him lonesome, all by his lonesome. Let me tell you, this was Saul's fight. Saul was the king, this was his fight. And okay, if it's not just his fight, it was his fight plus the armies of Israel's fight. But none of them were willing to fight, but God raised up this young man named David. He's probably a late teenager at this time. Late teenager, 18, 19 years of age, fresh off the, the, the pasture, watching over them few sheep, as it were. And all of a sudden, he's out there facing this giant all alone. And sometimes, you know what? It's you and God and that Goliath. And I've learned this, that I can't defeat the Goliath through the faith of another person, through the anointing of another person. Uh, I, you know what? What doesn't matter today is the support of others. David encouraged himself in the Lord as his God. He strengthened his hand in God. He exercised his faith in God, and God gave him great victory. You plus God is the majority. David was all alone, but he was not alone, for God was with him. And maybe you feel alone today, not surrounded by a whole lot of people that support you, but I want you to know... God is with you, and you are not alone. And if God is with you, then he will help you. Our help comes from the Lord. He will help us. Amen to that? What else doesn't matter? Well, the armor of Saul. That didn't matter either, did it? Saul thought it would. I'll give him my armor. It's the best armor there is. It'll cover him up. It'll clothe him. It'll help him. He can have my sword as well. These are weapons. I'll give it to him. But I want to know Saul's armor, Saul's anointing, and Saul's methods were not useful to David. David had to be who God called and wanted him to be. Have you ever tried to imitate or copy another person's ministry, gifting, personality, or anointing? You become a caricature of yourself. You have to be who you are in God. Now, if you're going to defeat a Goliath, you're going to defeat a Goliath based upon who God made you to be and what he's placed on the inside of you. He'll raise you up. 
to face your Goliath. And you will defeat your Goliath through the weapons that God has placed in your hands. Mighty weapons, spiritual weapons, the weapon of prayer, the weapon of faith, the weapon of righteousness, the weapon of a confession of faith, these kind of weapons, the weapon of obedience, these weapons are mighty. The weapons of fasting, God will give you a strategy. He'll place something in your hand that you can use according to your makeup, your creation. You are special in the eyes of Almighty God, and God will use you to take down your giants. King Saul, if he thought so, if he thought so highly of that armor, should have put it on and gone out to face Goliath himself. But he didn't. Have you ever felt pressure from people to be somebody you're not? I have faced that for years as pastor. People come with expectations on what I'm supposed to be as a minister, as a pastor, as a preacher. Uh, What vision I'm supposed to have. What giftings I'm supposed to exercise. How I'm supposed to be leading the people. The personality I'm supposed to have. And I can't be anything other than who I am. I need to be the best person that I can be in the sight of God. It's his anointing. It's his calling. It's his giftings. It's his talents he's placed in me. I can't be anybody else but me. The fear of man brings a snare. I love it when the Bible says the righteous are as bold as a lion. We see that in David, don't we? So the armor of Saul, the expectations of people, the opinions of people, the support of others, right? The, the, the words of people, uh, the size of your giant, none of that matters today. We put that all off to the side. Well, what does matter? How can you defeat your giant? I'll tell you what matters is, number one, your cause. Your cause. In verse 29, David says to Eliab, is there not a cause? A cause. You must live for God's glory and God's purpose. Listen to this. Selfish ambition or personal promotion is not a cause worth fighting for. Jesus taught us how to pray. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen. What are you living for? Why have you been made and created and saved by Almighty God? What's your meaning in life, your purpose in life? Each one of us needs to answer that. The Apostle Paul says, well, for me to live is Christ. I'm going to live for Christ. I'll let that be my purpose. My goal is to know him, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. What I'm going to do is preach the word. That's what the apostle Paul said. He was going to run his race and finish his course. He was going to make sure he stayed faithful to God. These were things that motivated him. This was his cause to glorify Christ, to live for Christ, to preach his word, to run the race that God set before him, to finish his course with joy, to be able to stand before him and say, say before God, I have fought the good fight and I have kept the faith. That's, that, that's what, what the cause was for the apostle Paul. David, as this shepherd boy anointed to be the next king, he was filled with the cause of God. 
of God of Israel, of the fame and the glory of God Almighty. He got all wrecked on the inside that Goliath was disdaining God and disdaining the people of God. He took it personal. Why? Because he was living for the glory of God. I tell you what, that's what matters. You will never bring your giant down if it's all about you, if it's all about personal ambition and personal glory and selfish attainments. But I want you to know if you get a heart that says, oh God, I burn for you, I live for you, I'm serving you, your glory and your gospel is what matters to me. I want you to know that becomes a person that God can infuse with his power and chop off a giant's head. Jesus taught us how to pray. Is there not a cause? Here are some causes worth fighting for. To win your children to Christ. To fulfill the will of God in your generation. To glorify God in your marriage. To advance the kingdom of God. To be holy for he is holy. To build his church through your time, talent, and treasure. To stand strong for Jesus in this present perverted world. To finish your race with joy. Those are great causes. And I want you to know if that's your cause and you're moving forward, you're going to face some giants that's going to oppose you and try to take you out. But if you're burning with a cause for Jesus Christ, God's going to fill you with grace and give you a divine strategy. And you're going to chop off his head. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. What does matter? Well, your faith matters. It's not the size of your faith, nor is it the size of your giant that matters. Because Jesus says, if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can speak to a mountain and it'll be cast into the sea. What matters is, is that you have faith and that you exercise that faith. And I'm going to read verses 45 to 47. And I'm just going to read this, and I just want you to be filled with strength and courage as, as David speaks words of faith, words of confidence, right? David said to the Philistine there in verse 45, you come to me with a sword and a spear and with a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. This day, I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and to the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in heaven. Then all this assembly shall know that the Lord does not save with sword and spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give you into my hands. I'll tell you what, that's about as faith-filled as you possibly can. This day, it's going to happen. This day, you're going down. This day, the battle is the Lord's. This day, he's going to defeat you and place you into my hands. It was all about God and all about God's glory. David just saw himself as a child of God, exercising his faith in the living God and bringing that giant down by his faith in God. What matters is not the size of your faith, but how big is your God today? How big is your God? Some would say, have faith in your faith. But I say, have faith in God. 
Faith always needs the object rather than turning it in upon your own faith and always, do I have enough faith? Is my faith big enough? Do I have enough? Do, is it big? How big? The faith, faith, faith. And you're always looking inward at your faith rather than looking inward at your faith. Let your faith look upward at God and see how big he is. Listen what Jesus says in Mark chapter 11. Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. That's what Jesus said. For assuredly I say to you, well, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. So you want those mountains to be removed? Jesus says, have faith in God. And it works this way. You believe God, God then moves your mountain. God is the mountain mover. God is the giant defeater. God is the giant slayer. You trust and believe in the Lord. If you could take it outside of you and place it in God, then all things then become possible. All things become possible. Somebody say amen to that. So your faith matters. Your cause matters. Your attitude matters. David displayed courage. He ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. He displayed confidence. He says, God is going to give you into my hands. He had boldness when he declared in verse 45, I come to you in the name of the Lord our God. And also, he had an attitude of humility when he said, the battle is the Lord's. The battle is the Lord's. David knew that he could defeat the giant because God was fighting for him and God was fighting with him. David was not boastful in his own strength, but David was boastful in God's strength, in God's power, in God's plan. You see, that's when self-confidence moves to a God confidence. And we need to walk around with a God confidence. You might be a youth you might be lacking abilities. You might not have all the wisdom. The people might disdain you and say you're not able. But if you could get your eyes off yourself and onto the Lord, all things then become possible. Becomes possible in the Lord. Hallelujah. Your cause matters. Your faith matters. Your attitude matters. How about this one? Your strategy matters. You know, Saul had a strategy for David. And people all the time come up with a strategy for it. Well, have you tried this? Have you done that? I know somebody that did this and they did that. You know, somebody defeated their giant said they went on 40 days of a supernatural fast. And if you do that, well, I don't feel like the Lord is calling me to a 40-day fast. <laughs> That's an easy one. <laughs> Anyway, the people come up with all kinds of strategies. Am I right about that? Have you read this book? Have you said these prayers? Have you listened to this message? Have you planned this this way? David had to come up with a divine strategy. It was a divine strategy that fit who he was at the stage of life in which he was. What was he, a shepherd? What was he at this time? He was a shepherd. And what did he have with him? A staff, a sling, a shepherd's pouch, and some stones in it. Because at his age, with his occupation, and his skills and talents, 
That's what God was going to use. If you're young and inexperienced, God's not expecting you to be mature and experienced. If you're mature in the Lord, he's not expecting you to pick up the weapons that you used when you were just a child or a babe in Christ. He uses you where you're at, the level you're at, the faith where you're at. A little child can take down a giant, and so can a mature Christian take down a giant. Because it all rests on the power of Almighty God. He came up with the divine strategy, a sling and a stone. He used what was in his hand. When God showed up to to Moses in the burning bush, and Moses was filled with all kinds of insecurities and inadequacies, who am I, and they won't believe me, and I can't talk, and you know, what, what if I say this, what if I stumble, what if I do, you know, and finally God said, what's in your hand? He says that in Exodus chapter 4, verse 2. What is that in your hand? Moses, a staff. Throw it down, and we know the story. It becomes a supernatural staff filled with the power of God. May I ask you that simple question? What's in your hand? What's in your hand? What has God's gifted you, and how has God used you? And what's it? It's you. You will partner with God in the miracle. You don't have to be anybody else other than you. You just have to believe him. Make yourself available for God to use you. And then simply be obedient in however God directs you. Then victory is you, is yours. God will use you, your faith, your talents, your giftings to defeat the giants in your life. You will partner with God in your victory. Be victorious. What giant are you facing today? It's time to chop off some heads. To chop off some heads. I was praying just this morning and I said, Lord, just lay some things on my heart that people might be facing, that they perceive to be a giant in their life. And the first thing that instantly came to me was this giant of fear. And perhaps that's you today. You have fear. And I said, I said Lord, fear of what? And what? Because fear can manifest itself in fear of failure, Fear of the future, fear of loneliness, fear of death. I mean, there's so many fears out there. Rational fears, irrational fears. But we do know this, fear has torment. That's what Peter says, fear has torment. It torments you, becomes a giant that just yells and screams and causes you to just draw back and hide. You never can seem to move forward. Fear of what? Fear of what? Well, I believe that there are legitimate things that we need to be concerned about, obviously. The Bible says a wise man sees danger and and avoids it or walks around it. Certainly we understand that, right? We don't want to be presumptuous and just throw ourselves in front of moving traffic and expect God to protect us. That's ridiculous. 
And there are viruses and diseases out there, obviously, that are very challenging and dangerous, that can cause a natural fear. But when I said, Lord, fear of what? It instantly came to my heart, fear of COVID. The fear of COVID. And I realized that COVID is, it's real. It can be very dangerous. It has taken out many people. But I think there are some people that it's become a giant, a giant in their life, where they are trapped, isolated, afraid to step out, afraid to live their life. It's always there. And whenever they do something, they're afraid. Let me tell you, this is not God's plan for you. If you need to take precautions, there's wisdom and precautions. You need to do what you need to do to feel like you're safe. You do what you need to do to feel like you're safe. But you know the difference between taking precautions and walking in wisdom and not being foolish and also when just fear grips your heart. You know the difference. This would be a great message for those that watch online on 11 o'clock service. They're still so afraid they can't even come to a public meeting. Not simply because they don't want to take the, the steps to do that because they're, because they're just exercising prudence or caution, but because they're filled with fear. Fear that grips their heart that causes them to be trapped in a room, that causes them to shrink back, a type of fear that simply torments them. Fear. The second word that came to my mind besides COVID was diagnosis. Fear of a diagnosis. Maybe that's some of you here today. You fear diagnosis. There's issues, tests, there's a diagnosis coming, there's a report coming. You don't even know what it is yet. But you think, what well, it might be, it could be, it might be, it could be. If it's that, oh no. You don't even know yet, but you're filled with fear. Fear of a diagnosis. I got one more. <laughs> this is the third word just, just came to me. Talking about fear. Fear of COVID, a diagnosis. Fear of divorce. Fear of divorce. I don't know if that's somebody here today. And, and you fear a divorce. Maybe you've talked about divorce. Maybe your spouse has talked about divorce. Maybe there's divorce in your family. Maybe your marriage is just fine. But in the back of your mind, you just think about divorce it's, it's been like a, a line that's run through uh, your family. It's almost seemingly like, a, like, a, like an iniquity that's been passed on from generation to generation. And, and you have this fear that is just there, that is going to happen to you. It might be a real fear. It might be a, an imagined fear. But man, th- this, is, this is a giant, a giant a giant of fear, giants of insecurity, giants of lust, 
giants that just come into our lives in the way of anxiety or doubt. Be victorious. It's time to come and chop off some heads. David said this day, this day, this day the Lord will deliver you. This day you're going to be defeated. This day you're coming down. This day God's going to be glorified. This day I'm going to be set free. This is the day that the Lord hath made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Let's stand to our feet. Now, I can't defeat your giant, and you can't defeat my giant. But God can. Am I right about that? God can. And if you need a giant to fall in your life, it might be one of these words that I had for you today. It might be something I haven't even mentioned. But if you need a giant to fall, the Bible says that David ran toward the enemy. He approached it. He walked toward He wasn't, uh, he went, he went. And you step out and you walk towards that Goliath by coming right down here. And I'm going to say a prayer of faith. You're going to agree with me with the prayer of faith because it's faith in God. Faith in God that will kill that giant. So I want you to move forward, move toward with a heart of faith. Just like David, you just see that that 18-year-old just running with that staff and sling just running towards that Goliath. I mean, that, that he, he had an expectation, an expectation that he's going to be victorious. And that's exactly what I want from you. I want you to have this expectation that as you come down, that you move forward, that you're approaching that giant and you're, every step you take, you're saying, I'm not afraid. I'm not afraid. I'm not doubting. I'm not afraid. I'm not doubting. God's going to give me the victory. Every place, you, every step you take, you're, you're just, uh, your faith is arising and you're going to beat that, uh, beat that giant today. Amen. Going to chop off his head. As we sing, come right on down. Let's take off a head today. Let's kill a Goliath today. Amen, church. Let's do that. I'm gonna burn for you Give me a fresh, fresh fire Give me a fresh, fresh fire I want what you desire I'm gonna burn for you Give me a fresh, fresh fire if my wife would uh, have that prayer of faith for us today. She's a wonderful prayer warrior, defeated many giants in her life through the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of prayer and faith in God. And so, Ron, if you just lead us in a faithful prayer. Those of you that came forward to chop off ahead, just lift up your hands in the presence of the Lord. Amen. 
lift up your hands and I want you to pick a hand now, pick a hand. And I want you to extend one particular hand in the presence of the Lord. Father, I think of David and he reached down and he picked up those stones, Lord God. He extended his hand into that brook and he put those stones into his pocket. Now, Lord God, right now in the name of Jesus in this time in your presence, I believe, God, you're getting your people ready to slay their giant. God, they're reaching into the presence of God and they're, they're just extending their faith. Now, God, right now, I pray for them that you will give them wisdom, direction, strategy, a supernatural revelation and understanding of right now in this moment, you're putting something in their hand of faith. Now, God, I pray as they extend their hand to heaven, Lord God, they will not only extend and reach forth and grab a hold of whatever you direct them to do, but God, they're going to see their victory. I think of David, Lord, he slung those stones, but Lord, he didn't stop there. When he took Goliath down, he reached over and he took the sword right out of Goliath's hand. And Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm asking you will give every man and woman of God at this altar a hope and an expectation that they're going to hold the enemy's sword in their hand. They're going to take the enemy's sword out of his hand. Lord, they're going to take the weapon that the enemy has formed against them. And God, you're going to turn it around and you're going to use it for the glory and the purpose of God. They're going to reach into that situation by faith, God. They're in your presence right now, Lord. You're putting their stones in their shepherd's bag, God. You're doing something right now. You're hiding them in your presence. And God, they're going to have their moment of victory. And when they do, they're going to say, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. And I thank you for this in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Yes, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Well, we are believing that God heard that prayer, saw your faith in him, and that giant is down, and you have chopped off his head, and you're going to walk in the victory that God has given you. You're going to walk in the victory that God has given you. And all his taunts, all his taunts and disdain and words that he speaks into your heart, it's over. It's over in Jesus' name. Be filled with the word of the Lord. And all God's people said yes and amen. God bless you. You're dismissed.